himself up. And Andy Ruiz Jr. ahead for you, Paulie. Yeah, he's ahead for me now by two points. And you, one, Matt. one round up. What can Joshua do? Right yeah. hand from Ruiz. Here he comes Stop. again. And Joshua tottering and teetering it down for the third time in the fight. And it's all Four. going horribly wrong for AJ. Seven. Seven. His dream debut turning into a nightmare. Oh, Andy oh. Ruiz Jr. Take it and write his own history. Oh, wow. For the fourth time, wow. and the gun shields out. And Anthony oh, Joshua six, could be counted out here. He just eight. about gets to his feet. He's going to do well to get through this round, Adam. He's badly hurt here, Joshua. His legs have gone. A minute 45 to go. And we are witnessing one of the biggest shots in To the beautiful boxing podcast so we're we're less than three weeks away from joshua ruiz 2 the rematch that supposedly the world is anticipating but are we you know i remember when the fight happened so if you go back to june 2nd we did a podcast myself martin and andy and the first thing i said was watch when they start telling you all of this was a massive massive fluke that's how you're going to want to go into December and they're going to walk us through the whole fight and they're going to tell us things we didn't even know we had seen. Lucky punches, punches from God, lightning strikes. You know, Josh was hit by a North Korean missile. We heard absolutely everything in the build-up to this fight. But what no one really accepted in public, but I know was accepted in private, was that version of Joshua would have beaten most people. There isn't much more that can come from Joshua to make him better. And in fact, what Ruiz was able to do was show that, you know, Joshua has his kryptonite. And so that got me thinking, if you're in camp with Anthony Joshua, what should have happened by now? And what should be happening going forward? Keep it really high level. I don't need to tell you how many press-ups he should be doing or should he be doing them on his thumb or his pinky finger. That's, a, that's not really neither here nor there, if we're being honest. The key part of it for me is this. Can the brain's trust of Team Joshua do anything that gives us a fundamentally better Anthony Joshua than we had on June 1st? I hope they can because it will make for an interesting fight. My instincts tell me that there hasn't been enough time for Joshua to do that. And secondly, I don't think he's been through the process of redemption required 
for you to have a winning mindset, especially in the context of someone who, who still has nothing to lose despite having all the belts. So I think if you look historically, the things that have given Joshua trouble are a lack of height and the ability to punch in combinations. So in all of Joshua's fights, we've seen moments where smaller guys have given him trouble because he can't quite get to them. You know, Takam was an example. Yes, he was hitting Takam. And to be honest, Takam showed no ambition, but that's down to the fact that he probably trained for five days for that fight. So we didn't really get a true representation. I think for Takam that fought Chisora would have been a far more testing opponent for Joshua. And that's the sort of man Joshua would try and avoid. And then what Ruiz brought on top of that was, you know, not only that kind of raw toughness, but he brought that hand speed and that ability to know where the openings were. You know? So what Joshua actually faced was probably the most, not naturally gifted, no, probably the best prepared boxer for dealing with tall people that can be because Ruiz has always been a small guy. And so when you go back and watch that fight, you know, in your head, you believe that Joshua got dropped in the third round. He got dropped twice in the third round and that he was just all over the place, staggering, doing this, doing that. Not true. He boxed the same way in round one as he did in round four. It was a weird set of tactics because the old Joshua was double jab, right hand, left hook, jab, step back, double jab, right hand. It was all action. It was all it was intensity and his his modus operandi was simple run these motherfuckers over pardon my language but that's what it was just run these guys over overwhelm them with so much force that they can't even think about their own offense and it was effective against guys like skeleton it was effective against guys like jason gavin it was effective against guys like kevin kingpin johnson because they had no ambition andy ruiz had all the ambition in the world and that's what made the difference. That's what scared McCracken after the third round was actually that Joshua wasn't doing that badly. And, you know, had that been a Jerome Miller, he would probably had a, an easier time of it. So then you go, okay, so you lose the fight in the seventh round because essentially you got, you got beaten up. Out of the seven rounds, you probably got beaten up in four of them and you looked okay in three. Did you look your best? No, but give Ruiz credit. Ruiz didn't give Joshua that, that clean target that he could hit. And that's, that's a tribute to how fast Andrew Ruiz's hands and his defensive instincts are. So, so we've got to start with the, the fundamental issue here. This wasn't a controversial loss. It wasn't a close fight. The referee didn't do anything that you're thinking, huh. Joshua got dropped four times as a world champion. You shouldn't be getting dropped four times and call yourself a world champion. Just my opinion. Unless you knock the guy out and there was no hope of that happening. Because no one in Team Joshua had a clue how to do that with Ruiz. I don't think anyone knows how to do that with Ruiz. You know, it will, uh, my theory is it will take a smaller guy. So then let's fast forward. So we've seen, we've seen the rewriting of history where Joshua's like, it was an off night. I'll never be that bad again. <clears throat> okay. You know, it was a punch from God. You know, 
things were perfect in the camp, but I just wasn't focused. Maybe I took him lightly, this, that, and the third. And then I look at the camp and I say, well, nothing you've done since shows that you're taking him any more sternly than you were before. I think the camp started second week in September. I might be wrong on that, probably a week or so. And the only significant change that came out of that camp was they recruited Angel Fernandez. I thought recruiting Angel Fernandez was a masterstroke. I thought if you're looking for something different, Angel will bring something different. But his ability to execute on what makes him unique and special, and Angel Fernandez is a special human being, in my eyes, he's a great trainer, and all he needs is the opportunity. But what makes Angel Fernandez a good trainer is that it's an all-encompassing philosophy he believes in. So McCracken would have to concede some of the power to a guy that he barely knows. And if I'm being honest, was recruited based on some discussions, but ultimately based on what he'd done with Isaac Chamberlain. Which is still a work in progress, but a work in progress we should all be looking forward to, because I think he's doing great work with Isaac Chamberlain. So that was probably the only new thing we saw. Everything seems to be back to normal. The training sessions in Finchley, fine. Understand that. You're a family man. Training up at GB, understand that. It's an elite training facility. So then you're looking for sparring partners, and you're thinking, if ever you wanted to show that you're back, you'd get Joey Dueco back. The guy that allegedly gave you so much trouble in sparring, that's the first guy you'd have back. And he offered himself up for the sparring, and he was told thanks, but no thanks. So into the mix come a gentleman called Timothy Moton, who is five foot eleven, probably eight more pies than Andy Ruiz. But if I'm being honest with you, he hasn't got the hand speed. He hasn't got the hand speed and he hasn't got the intelligent combinations. He's a very bread and butter boxer, which Andy Ruiz isn't. So I don't see what confidence you get from that. The confidence you get from Joey Dueco is if I can handle him inspiring now, I'm better than I was before I went into that first fight. You know, get these monkeys off your back. But that, that Joey Dueco thing will live on with him. Whatever happened in that ring, and I have a feeling I know what happened. If you want to know, listen to the interview with Greg Hackett. He gives his theory on what happened. And he's pretty close to the action. So then you go, okay, so you've got him. You've got the, I think it's Albon, who is the German-Albanian or German-Armenian, I can't remember, who's meant to have the fancy combinations. I wasn't sold based on what I've seen of him. Not really a Ruiz clone. So now we're at the point where we're thinking there are no Ruiz clones. It, just physiologically as well, like none of these guys have the long torso that Ruiz had. So actually getting to that body for a good body shot is still going to be a problem for Joshua. Probably one that he's better off not trying to fix. And then who else was in there? Andrew Tabiti was in there. I get it. Mayweather hand speed. Yeah, we've seen him on the pads. He's quick. But after what happened with Dortikos, uh, he's not real. And then you look at guys like Tom Little. I think Tom Little is probably one of the better guys because he genuinely has that hand speed and he throws combinations not many heavyweights do. So you've got to be on your game to handle Tom Little in sparring. I don't care what anybody says. You know, when he's got that bit between his teeth and he's got that hit that swagger when he's got his tail up, he looks really impressive. And I say that having seen the guy spar. So I was impressed that they got him in. And, you know, Derek Chisora as well. Makes sense. 
Just have some hard rounds with someone who's there to take your head off. Just have with Derek, man, even if you have Derek for a couple of days, just those brutal rounds like Derek loves where, you know, he'll just dip, 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 swing, swing, savage you. And you just go, right, you know, let me get used to being back in the trenches again. Do I feel they got the sparring partners right? No, I, I genuinely don't. I think at the time I said, if I was Joshua, I'd have got John Pilata, a Jamie Shakiva in, and obviously disputes permitting, someone like a Nathan Gorman in. Why? All of those guys are savage left hookers. I think John Pilata has the best counter left hook of any heavyweight there is out there. I think Jamie Shakiva's left hook's on the inside. Savage and brutal, and Jamie doesn't mind being the bully in that ring. And the two guys I've mentioned so far have pretty solid chins. And Nathan Gorman, we know about the hand speed, and he also has those unusual combinations. Joshua could have got what he needed from domestic talent, and I think they would have pushed him harder because they understand, number one, it's their chance to make a name for themselves and impress Joshua. And number two, they understand what it means to have the heavyweight belts back here because they're all trying to eat off the heavyweight hype. So I think McCracken's team missed a trick there, and I think December 7th, the chickens will come home to roost. Because what you didn't need was little guys. I don't think Joshua can figure out how to box smaller men in six months if you look at his amateur record he always struggled against smaller guys so he's had a history of struggling against smaller guys because essentially he's a headhunter joshua's a seek and destroy merchant and if you don't give him that opportunity there's not much more to come he's not going to be a guy that's just going to stay behind his jab and box out for 12 rounds and i don't think ruiz is a guy that's going to let him do that either so I'd like to have seen Joshua in with those guys. I'd have, in fact, liked to see Joshua get in with a guy like Isaac Chamberlain as well. Just have some of those rounds with, with British talent, man. Like, yeah, I think they, I just want to view, they missed a trick. And, and so it comes to the part where you go, okay, so what, what's this really about? I don't think tactically they can do much different. I think Ruiz poses too many problems that Joshua's not going to learn to solve in one training camp. Three or four training camps, he might get closer to it, but I'm not sold on that. What this is about is eradicating demons. And I think this is why maybe McCracken needs to take a step back. Because sometimes you need to have a different conversation. It might be that Joshua needs to just laugh again. He needs to be around some of the guys from the Finchley days. He needs to be around some of the big guys that he boxed in the past. Like, you know, my mate Big Junior, Domak and Ladi. Uh, Armin Isa. Maybe he needs to be around those guys again and just trade the war stories and remember how good he was and remember what made him good. Maybe he needs to sit down with Don Charles and go, how do I become a better fighter? Sometimes you have to go back to remember who you really are before you can go forward. And you need to do that. Like You need a fresh perspective because... If you keep thinking that kind of GB, Rob McCracken, got to be a machine route, now you realise you're not invincible. You realise that you can be touched. In fact, you can be hurt and hurt badly. And let's be clear about that. You don't get dropped four times and not get hurt badly. So you look at that and go, psychologically, are you prepared? Are you prepared for the body attack? You're not going to learn to take the body shots now, you know? And Ruiz, I don't even think Ruiz was savaging the body the way we know he can. So that's another thing you've got to worry about. 
you know, how are the body shots going to hold up? And so we can go around in circles and we can talk about this, but ultimately it comes down to your psychology. Have you had enough fresh influences around you? Has Angel Fernandez been able to give you that, that enthusiasm and belief that he's been able to give to Isaac? Has he had the freedom to do that? You know, all these things to the point where you want to see Joshua's got a different look in his eye. That look that says, you know, that hungry look he had before he even had the belts where he was just looking to take people out. That's the Joshua we want to see. Maybe family hoods dulled it a bit. I have no idea. But out of this camp, I just I think the sparring partners were inappropriate to a greater or lesser extent. I don't think they've made enough changes for him to have a, a different voice and a different psychological profile going into this fight. But I don't believe Joshua's shot. I think you can still squeeze out a performance from Anthony Joshua. Will this be his last one? I have no idea. It depends on what this fight goes like. If it's a, if it's another Joshua Klitschko, I think he might look at retiring simply because he doesn't want to end up with his brain scrambled. And that's kind of where it's heading because if you think about this, if Joshua were to beat Ruiz, the Wilder fight has to happen. And that will take years off his life. And I don't mean that flippantly. That will legitimately take years of his life. And if he gets through that, there's Tyson Fury, another guy that will take years of your life. And it's not just the fight. It's the camp you're going to have to go through. How much of that do you really want when you're financially secure and you have a fantastic family and you've got friends around you who will follow you around the world and you've got a boxing public that adore you? Are you still that hungry? Or have you achieved everything you want to achieve? These are all the questions that we'll find out on December 7th. Because to beat Ruiz, he's going to need a punch from God. Because what Ruiz has that I really like, he has small compact arms, which he can just put around his head and dare you to go to the body, then leaving your chin exposed for a counter punch. So actually he's really clever because he says, no, no, I'll give you the body. But I am going to land on your chin or I'm going to land on your temple. So do you really want to take the body shot? And ultimately the answer is no, you don't. So you're hoping he leaves a gap for one of one of you know straight shot, maybe. Maybe the straight right through the guard. You're looking for those guard piercing punches. But because Ruiz subtly rolls with it as well, it's quite hard. So there are a lot of things that he does that I don't think McCracken is used to dealing with. I think Angel Fernandez might have a few solutions. And to be honest with you, I haven't really spoken to him too much about this because I respect that it's his big opportunity. So I don't want to be a guy that's taking information he tells me and then spreading it out to the public. That's not really what I want to do. And sometimes you can do that just by accident and then people deduce who told you. So I've kind of left him to it, but I'd love to speak to him after this fight and just know what was happening in that camp. But I think what you will see from Joshua is more of the same. It's going to be that jab. And for as long as he can keep his hands up, you'll see that jab. You'll see a double jab, one, two, double jab right hand. You'll see a one, two. But you'll still see that counter hook. And the problem with his counter hook is as soon as he goes to throw that, he separates his right hand from his face. And that's when Ruiz lands his hook. Because his hook is quicker. Joshua hasn't got a very quick left hook. So he'd have to work on just shortening that hook. Can you do that in a camp? Yes. 
but it might knock all the rest of your elements out of sync as well. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in this camp. I don't think you're going to add much more to Joshua because I think the Joshua that boxed June the 1st wasn't a bad Joshua. It's just that Ruiz was his kryptonite. And so Ruiz made him look like a rank amateur because of the psychological pressure he put on him, because of the combination punching, the hand speed, and also the fact that he was so small that it was difficult to read what he was doing. It was difficult to get to the bits he wanted to get to. You know, and I think, and I'll probably do one on Ruiz in the coming days as well. I think Andy Ruiz also has very interesting challenges in his camp in terms of what he does for December 7th. And, you know, we've, we've gleaned bits of it from the videos they put out and the sparring partners they've had, the things we can learn. But ultimately, it's really about, you know, what happens December 7th. Has Joshua conquered those mental demons? And as we discuss, as we will discuss in a future podcast, can Ruiz bring out more of his secret weapons that we haven't seen yet? You know, I just want to wrap up by saying, you know, if you've got time, please, you know, as my loved, favorite and loyal listeners, please grab the Umar Sadiq podcast. Main reason is I think that gives you a fascinating insight into what the year in the life of a boxer can be like. And, you know, as as the reception to that increases and improves, it then says to other boxers, maybe Terry's the guy I want to talk to. And then we can get some more interesting characters on. And if you have any ideas of who you'd like me to speak to, by all means, DM me, you know, and then I'll see if we can make it happen behind the scenes. Second one is also listen to the Greg Hackett interview. I'd like to get him on again. And with that considered, you know, you guys start thinking of questions you'd want to ask an American trainer. You know, Greg's had a rough time of it, you know, was meant to be working with Rosado, then wasn't. Now Rosado's with Freddie Roach. And look, these are the breaks in boxing. And then there are other trainers I'd like to get on board just to have these sorts of conversations. So I can lift the, the veil over what happens in the sport. And you guys can understand that it's not as easy as people like to make out in the media. The sport is tough, it's brutal, and it's unforgiving. But yeah, tune into those. Keep sharing, please. Keep retweeting. Let's get, the, let's get those engagement numbers up. And please, if you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. I'm going to go through them again, and then I'm going to you know, have my right of reply on some of those points. But it's love to everyone. I thank everyone that listens. I thank everyone that does the podcast as well, that make this such a fertile ground for discussion. I think we're at the point where more people do podcasts than actually listen to them, which is a good thing. And over time, I think we'll find out you know, where the quality really is. So as always... Twitter at Highfield Boxing, Instagram at Highfield Boxing. Like, share, follow, get involved, guys. Thanks very much.